Howdy, friends, and welcome to the 52nd and final episode of the Let's Give a Damn podcast in the year of our Lord, 2020. As always, it's your host, Nick LaPara. What a crazy year. I mean, absolutely wild. And although I hope 2021 is much different than 2020, I don't wish to go back to normal. I don't know about you. I wish to move forward toward a new normal that is full of giving a damn, more creativity, more love, and more inclusiveness. For so many reasons, I can't wait for this new year. And I know it's been hard all over the place, but I live in Nashville, and I feel like we have been hit harder than most places. About a week or two before the first lockdown, we experienced a massive destructive tornado. Our city has still not fully recovered from that tornado. Then, like many cities around the country, we had several Black Lives Matter protests all throughout the summer after George Floyd was lynched in broad daylight by Derek Chauvin, with several cops looking on. We also sought justice for Breonna Taylor and many others this year. Our governor and our city, Nashville and Tennessee, arrested over 200 people this summer for peacefully protesting on property that we, the people, own. I haven't even mentioned what it's like living in Tennessee, the COVID-19 capital of the world right now. Not the U.S., the world. And to top it all off, I'm sure at this point you've heard of the suicide bomber that blew himself up along with an entire block of downtown Nashville. Or maybe you haven't heard about it because the president hasn't said a fucking word. My guess is that it's because the guy is white and not a Muslim or a black man. But I digress. Either way, what a year. And as I look back on this year, I see the hard stuff, but I also see the good stuff. And please, in the next few minutes, please don't hear me discounting your pain, your suffering this year. It's real. And I hear you and I see you. And I've interacted with so many of you through that pain and suffering. But as I look back on this year, I see so many good things that have happened with Let's Give a Damn and around the world. With Let's Give a Damn specifically, we shot the pilot for a TV docuseries, which, fingers crossed, you'll be able to see on TV next year. Also, I'm currently working on my first book, which will be all about Let's Give a Damn. And we are finalizing the formation of the nonprofit arm of Let's Give a Damn, which you'll hear much more about in 2021. And the podcast continues to be one of my favorite things to do in the entire world. And speaking of the world, I think that this pandemic has done and is doing positive things in the world. Again, I'm not downplaying the pain and suffering. I'm devastated by the loss of life and the sickness and the fact that we are still months away from eradicating this virus because Americans are so fucking selfish. But throughout the year, so many of us have removed toxic people, behaviors, and things from our lives as we have prioritized what's really important to us and to our neighbor and to the world. Many of us have learned to be more generous. Many of us have learned to love one another better. Many of us have learned to give so many more dams in so many more ways. And I hope that our future world looks much different than our past world. I've heard so many stories from y'all, success stories of how you've learned and grown and are different and how you're never going back to the old ways of living. 
That makes me so happy, so excited. You know, a while back, I made a t-shirt, which we actually need to make more of because many of y'all have asked for it, that said, thoughts, prayers, and let's give a damn. And the thoughts and prayers were crossed out. Not because I don't believe in thoughts and prayers, but because there's a fundamental piece missing with so many of us. I love this idea and keep coming back to it. So as we continue to go through this pandemic and navigate a tricky future, I implore you to keep thinking about and praying for all the suffering and pain you see in the world. But all of that is for naught if we do not figure out our role in that thing or those things and do something about it. I always go back to this Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. That's it. That's the whole of life summed up. I don't think we should be avoiding trying to be happy as much as possible and as often as possible, but happiness is fleeting and it isn't the goal of life. That's the point of that quote. That's the point of thoughts and prayers. Let's give a damn with the thoughts and prayers crossed out. So I am truly excited for this brand new year, and I hope you are as well. Okay, I have rambled on for a bit, but here's what I'd like to do in the next few minutes. Over the past couple of months, I've recorded some of my favorite podcast conversations ever. I still pinch myself sometimes when I think about the amazing people I get to interact with and learn from. So I'd like to share a few of my favorite moments from some of my favorite conversations with you, and hopefully these highlights will prompt you to listen to the full conversations if you haven't already. So before we dive into a few clips, a reminder that I am at your service. I mean that. You can reach out to me anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. So today you'll hear from four damn giving friends, actor and author Matthew McConaughey, vegan educator and animal rights activist Ed Winters, actress and activist Elizabeth Marvel, and professor and author Eddie Glaude Jr. First up, a little bit of my conversation with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, you have another part in the book where you talk about your year in Australia, right? Um, and it's 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 a fascinating, you know, uh, section of your life. But for a few of those months, before it got better, it was worse. And that was because you stayed with this family called the Dooleys, which everybody you need to go get the fucking book so you can read it all about the Dooley family. That was insane. But uh, and, and maybe I'm using some of my words here, but it seemed it, it, I can't remember if I actually read this or if I just got it from that. But it seemed like at the end of that saga, you um, s sort of talked about I wouldn't you don't regret the, the, that time, just like you don't regret these love stories yeah. you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, via butt whooping um, or or even the and I don't know if you'd say this, but, you know, you, you you've uh, experienced sexual abuse as well in your life. Right. So like all of our lives, all these right. stories, all this shit that happens, including six months or five months or however long it was with. Uh, this horrible family uh, in, in Australia, like I wouldn't basically the, the, the wrap up wasn't I wouldn't be where I am and who I am today without these things in unless. the moment, unless, yeah, unless these yeah. things had yeah. happened to me again, some of these things are horrible and we don't, we wouldn't, yeah. we wouldn't ask for these things. Like I don't, 
you know, again, right. youth years down the road are saying the butt whoopings were uh, a version of a love story. In the moment, you're feeling pain and all, all these things. And then when you're with the dualies and like you're eating, you know, iceberg lettuce and ketchup and this, they're, they're asking you to call them mom and pop or mom and pop or whatever. Like just crazy. Like in the moment, you're like, what the hell's going on? After you're like, yeah. oh, that built character. That built me into a better person than who I was before Australia. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, look, and this is a great thing to unpack because it, it, it's true. I wouldn't wish someone on that. If my son was in that position, I'd want to go get him and pull him out right now. Yeah. If my son was over there. I, I, I'd know. I want to pull him. At the same time, I, I would not be here right now. I would not have been forced to go inward. I would not have been forced to be introspective, survive, rely on myself and my, and create my own constitution because I had no one else to rely on or help me define it because I was calling out for help, but there was like the shining. There was no one, no one could hear. So who did I talk to? Me. And I wrote it down and I wrote myself 14 page letters and would respond in 16 page letters. Um, to myself. Um, so that's where I started a major Socratic dialogue because I was my only person, I was my only buddy. I was my only person I could talk to. Um, I was trapped with me. And there is, is you go, oh, what a horror show. Yeah, maybe. But I tell you this, I got out of that year and have run into crises before where I did do a form of actually denying red and yellow lights. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this thing's nothing compared to what I went through. I got this I, lickety split. And tee me up. I'll take this one. It's nothing after the year I went through because I became, I found resilience. Um, I found an identity. I found, I, I, I found a, who I found out who I was not and who I was. I found out things I stood for. And I found those things on my own. And look, we all know this. No one likes to be told what to do. No one wants to hear advice. Someone could have told me all the things I learned over there. Or it could have been in a book or a teacher could have told me or my dad or mom could have told me. I wouldn't have integrated them the way I did by having to learn it, but through my experience. Experience and travel have taught me. That's been my greatest educator by far. Mm -hmm. But to go through that and remember that and very clear to this day, the pain, the loss, the, 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 the absolute insanity, the confusion the asking why about everything, existential questions about who was I, what was I doing in this world? Was this cultural difference? Boy, if I can just out endure this thing. But I always had that hunch. I will say this. And where this comes from, I don't know. But I always had a hunch, even in the times where I was going, pulling my hair out of my head, running six miles a day, eating <laughs> iceberg lettuce with ketchup, deciding I was celibate and pretty convinced I needed to be a monk and go help Freeman Nelson. Mandela in South Africa and writing myself 16 page letters, all of that and sneaking off at five, still daylight after cleaning up at dinner to go to the bathtub, listen to NXS and rattle and U2's rattling them, read Lord Byron and, and, and jack off. That was a nightly ritual. I was like having to go off to go. It was like, I look at all that and you go, dude, you were losing it. At the time, yeah. I, now I see that I was, at the time I was just like, Let's go another just 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 find you'll find your traction here just try to find something you know just stick with it stay don't stop the dialogue with yourself Matthew. don't quit searching there's a gift in this somewhere trust that there's light at the end of this tunnel and there was there was value in enduring it there was value in not pulling the parachute and going i'm out of here 
I'm going back home. I'm not a guy who looks for trouble. I don't look for pain and penance. I do know there's value in seeking and staying in and out, enduring certain resistances we have in life to then overcome them. And if you don't know how to overcome them, sometimes you overcome them by just outlasting those son of a bitches. Next up, I asked vegan educator and animal rights activist Ed Winters to address the leap between being vegetarian and being vegan. There are so many more vegetarians in the world than vegans. Why? What's going on there? His answer did not disappoint. Let's go. What would you say to somebody that's that's stuck right there, that wants to go full vegan, but they're putting a lot of barriers up to like keep themselves from getting there? What would you recommend to them to in terms of making that leap? You've already done the good work of going vegetarian. That's great. But yeah. helping them realize that's only part of the work if you truly care about these animals. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think firstly, trying to establish why someone's made that change. And I think whoever, you know, it could be health reasons. It could be environmental or presumably animal rights reasons. And that's why most people go vegetarian, especially. Um, and so I think it's about trying to find out the reasons, the motivations for that change. Hmm. So let's take the animals because it's the most, um, the most obvious one. It's the one that most people, I think, give up meat for. Although environmentalism, of course, is a big part of it. But let's go animal rights. So the, the main premise behind being vegetarian is that we're against animals being killed. You know, we don't want animals being killed unnecessarily. Slaughterhouses are bad. That's, that's just not good. Well, the first thing to establish is, of course, that all dairy cows and egg laying hens are killed. So and they're killed in the exact same ways, in the exact same facilities. So we have a problem here where being vegetarian is almost, it's a paradoxical thing because you're saying that you are against something, but still paying for that very thing to happen. And this isn't to not people that, that make that change. As I say, I went vegetarian um, before I was vegan. But vegetarianism shouldn't really exist as an ideology because the ideology that it says it's subscribing to, it isn't. So it's almost like, um, you know, I guess being a Christian, but not believing in God. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, you know? So it's, that's not to not people. I think it's, you know, great people do that and are you know, caring and, and uh, are taking those steps. That's not, not to knock people, but it's an interesting idea to think that why do we have this thing it still perpetuates the very thing it says it's trying to stop. So all mm. dairy cows and egg laying hens are killed. We don't often get told that. We don't often realize that. But I think in many ways, you know, the dairy industry and the egg industry is even worse. Yes. You take like a cow that's raised for, for their flesh. Um, and comparatively, they live a much better life. That doesn't make it acceptable. But dairy cows, are, of course, are forcibly impregnated. They have their babies taken away from them. In the US, you know, there's lots of dairy cows that spend their entire lives inside. Um, Again, not that them being grazing makes it ethical, but there are different considerations at play. And of course, they're always killed, but they're killed after about four to six years rather than after about 18 months. So mm. the life that they live, which is often a very bad life, of course, just to put it lightly, is elongated. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's much longer. Yeah, it's like, would you rather, I mean, like, we talk about like chickens raised for their, for their flesh, they're around for six weeks. It's a terrible six weeks of organ failure, selective breeding, you know, huge growth, terrible, terrible pain six weeks but egg laying hens they go through a similar process 18 months they don't grow as large but their bodies are selectively bred to produce excessive number of eggs they lose their feathers they're prone to you know mice and uh, lice sorry and parasites broken bones and osteoporosis and they're still killed in the same slaughterhouse in the same way but instead of six weeks it's 18 months so you think well if you had to be one of these animals which animal would you be no one would choose to be the dairy cow or the egg laying hen we wouldn't want to no. be any of those animals no. of course but their, their suffering is so much longer and it still has the same fate. Still, They still meet the same knife at the end of it. 
So I think that's the important thing to recognize. And so people make this step because they obviously very caring, very considerate. And it's just about saying, well, look, if you really care about these issues, which of course I believe that you do, well then logically to be consistent, that next step has to happen. Otherwise we're living an inconsistent life. We're living out of uh, kind of like um, hypocritical, it's paradoxical, of course. So I think that's a good way of doing it. Some considerations have to be put in place, of course. I think that in the US and the UK, it's the same. We have a lot of good meat replacements. The Beyond Burger, right? No one has a bite of the Beyond Burger and doesn't think it's delicious, right? You know, right. It, it just is. But when it comes to vegan cheese, a lot of vegan cheese is not that good. Let's, let's be honest. There are some really great brands, but yep. it often is harder to find them. Sometimes you'll buy a vegan brand in the supermarket, you'll get home, you'll eat it, and you'll be like, this is not good. And it can be quite hard because cheese is notoriously hard to give up. Um, and a lot of us really like it. I used to as well. And eggs, well, we don't really have that many vegan egg products. You guys have got Just, of course. You've got you know, good mayonnaises and you've got the Just scrambled egg. We don't have that here yet. So I think that step to vegetarian is easier in every single way. And it gives you the blanket feeling like you're doing something. And of course you are, you're just not doing as much as you should, but it gives you the comfort of thinking, well, at least I'm doing something. So you take that easy first step and then convince yourself that that's enough because you're doing more than you could be doing. And then you get into that comfortable state. So I think it's about challenging ourselves, holding ourselves accountable. We talk, we've talked a lot about empathy and understanding, and those are really important. Um, but alongside that, there has to be accountability and responsibility. And so we have to have empathy for ourselves as well as for others. We also have to hold ourselves accountable as well as others. And so I think a part of that accountability is, as you say, going a bit further on that research, you know, not just stopping when you've seen what happens to, to meat, you know, animals that are raised just for their meat, going that extra mile, going that extra step, embracing the discomfort of it. You know, most things in life that are fulfilling and worthy are not comfortable. You know, everything we want to achieve comes often at the expense of doing something that's not the most comfortable that we could do. And the realization of what happens to animals is incredibly uncomfortable. The realization that we've paid for that and perpetuated that is incredibly uncomfortable. And the realization that we're still doing that, you know, it's, it's hard. But it's through these realizations and it's through acknowledging the discomfort that we go through for them that we can start to make really meaningful changes. And the, the plus side is when you go vegan, when you make that step, when you get over those barriers, you can be so proud of yourself because it's not the easiest thing in the world. I mean, it, it's super simple and it can be very easy, of course, but that doesn't deny the fact that there are barriers and things that make it, that make it psychologically more than anything a bit more challenging. So once you've done that, you can be proud of yourself to think, yeah, I've, I've done something really important for myself. I've proved to myself that I'm capable of doing something that maybe I didn't think I was. And I'm capable of doing something that, that was hard, but I've done it. And now I can achieve so much. And now I can go out and spread awareness. So I think that step to vegetarian to vegan is to go, I obviously care. I obviously want to do the right thing. I'm showing that through the actions I'm making now. But if I'm being really honest with myself, I know that to be in alignment with what I want or what I say that I want requires that extra step. And it might be hard and it might be challenging, but the rewards of that are so powerful because they're not just rewards for me, they're rewards for animals, the planet. You know, that's the thing about veganism is it's bigger than us. Social justice issues are often bigger than us. Yeah, Veganism is a great example. The actions that we make by doing this thing, it's, it transcends just benefiting us. And that's a wonderful thing to be able to acknowledge when you make that step. And I think that's why I would say, just believe in yourself, go for it. If you make mistakes, just brush them off, get back on the road, you know, try again. In this next snippet, I talk with actress and activist Elizabeth Marvel 
about social media, about cell phone addiction, about protesting and being an activist during a global pandemic. Had so much fun with her. Here's a bit of our conversation. The, everybody and everything tells you, you have to be on social media to like, you know, build a business, build a community. Like I have, you know, I'm let's give a damn is not just a podcast. It is uh, a forthcoming TV show and I'm writing a book and we started a nonprofit in two years, uh, 12 to 14, 12 to 24 months from now, we're going to start a social impact venture capital fund and all these things that we're working on. Fantastic. And a lot of that just, again, the culture tells me, therefore I'm telling myself that I have to be in all of this all the time, getting my hands dirty on social media, building community so that I can actually build those things. Okay. But what does your heart tell you? What does that still quiet voice inside you tell you? Does it say you have to do all of that all the time? Well, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Especially I mean, since, listen, since I people think people built amazing things throughout history and they never without, had this until 10 years without ago. Without a fucking cell phone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is it a business tool? Yes. It sounds like it's a very effective business tool. Can you use it for business? Yeah. And maybe cut out the scrolling and the liking yeah. and the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe there's so like just, a happy middle ground. There's, a, there's a, I think there are mindful behaviors around cell sure. phones that one can apply and it'll make you feel better. Yeah. And also just have periods of time throughout the day that you just put the motherfucker down. Yeah. It <laughs> put is the motherfucker it. down. You know, we, there's a good thing to do is have a bucket by the door, mm -hmm. put the phone in. And so the phone's in the bucket. So if anything else, because you never want to be that asshole with the phone on the table. Oh, it's, yeah. You know what I mean? So I've been there and it's horrible. And I we've look all at, been there. I, I look we've at myself doing it. I look at, I get out and of myself. You're like, and you're like, who's that asshole? Like, That's so horrible, Nick. <laughs> that guy's such down. an asshole. Yeah. yeah. So put the phone in a bucket, have it there. So at least you have to cross the room to get it. So at least it's going to make you aware, like I'm going to the phone now instead of that weird unconscious. But, but anyway, that's one, th but to your story about uh, this woman and um, your reaction, it's that's something that I think is so important to unpack for a minute because I think at this moment of communal disassociation in so many ways that's happened, it's such an interesting, I mean, it's such a crazy time we're in and we've been in this time before. It's just a new mode of it, sure. of like this, disassociation from community and this complete engagement with community and showing up for things, which is so hopeful and exciting for me as well. And we have a pandemic, so, and we're not getting any true scientific information from our government. We yeah. don't know what to believe so we just have to keep sourcing the science we have to keep going back to the scientists because yep. that's those are the facts that's yep. the information we need yep. but we're getting a lot of mixed messaging and it's a very confusing time and if you do have you know immunocompromised people in your life if you have people who are elderly if you have people with pre-existing conditions you do have to live in a manner of protection you know you yeah. have to you can't like get in the streets as eagerly as you may want although protest is a is a very important uh factor in all of our lives and i think now more than ever and i think in the next month more than ever 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 yes. maybe the next few months we may all just have to fucking get in the streets yeah i think we're gonna have to we've 
already started our discussing our because because we're parents we can't both go so who is right. it going to be and yep. how is it going to be and where is it going to be yep. i think we all need to start having those conversations we have to make our plans of how we're going to vote if we haven't already voted absentee what is that day going to look like how are we going to manage it we need to have a plan you know i'm a big it's funny because I've done a lot of these crazy, crazy TV shows where I play like presidents, big governmental yeah. people, right? Right, right. And on those sets, we get a lot of consultants from the government. And so I've met, you know, all kinds of Secret Service agents, FBI, CIA, attorneys wow. general, like, yeah, because they show up, yeah. they come, and we talk with them. And one of the things I'll tell you that, uh, and this has been over like the past 10 years, that I consistently hear from people is uh, as far as the world we're in, I'm like, what do I need to know that I'm not hearing? And they're like, have a plan because the grid might go down because your little plastic card may not pour out the money when you go to get, you know, thing, have a plan, yep. have a go bag, have some water, you know, have yep. a plan for your family, wherever you are. Yep. I say that about sort of all things right now, like have a plan. How are you going to engage? How are you going to vote? But then also with your kids, like if you can't, if you can't get in the streets because of health issues or X, Y, and Z, there, there, you know, there are so many things we can do. We can take what knowledge we have and educate others. We can advocate for legislation. We can call our representatives. We can you know, write letters, we can build coalitions, we can use that social media to tweet at our legislators or yep. email yep. them and, you know, specific state, local, federal laws we can engage with and just flood with, you know, emails, letter, handwritten postcards. There are so many ways we can phone bank. Phone banking is a great way to take action so, so easy there is so easy and there are so and there's so many it's like we don't have enough fingers to you know stop the holes in the dam right now yeah so there there are just so many actions we can take from home in front of our computers instead of scrolling through who liked your fucking lunch today yep. you can write some emails to you know so so i you know protesting is is massively important but there are so and community service is massively important and fundraising is massively important but there are many other ways if you can't put your body on the street uh which many of us can and if you can you must and you got to have a plan around it but if you can't there are many ways you can work from home to advocate for change And last, but definitely not least, I had a tremendously impactful conversation with Professor Eddie Glaude Jr., Princeton professor and the author of one of my favorite books of 2020, Begin Again, James Baldwin's America and its Urgent Lessons for Our Own. We had a fantastic conversation about James Baldwin, racism, and so much more. At the very end of our conversation, I asked him to help us prepare for what's next. What he shared blew me away and encouraged my heart so deeply. Here's what he had to say. America is too big. It's too big. It's 350 million people. Can you get that many people to come to terms with where we've come from, 
who we are currently and we have to change everything. Like, can that happen? You look at the happiest places on earth. You look at the happiest countries. First of all, they're being led by women, not megalomaniacal white men. They are being led by women. They're being led by progressive men. And they're also a lot smaller, right? Five, 10, 15, 20 million. Kind of Germany's on the bigger side of put together countries that are trying to do things right. Our country is so big. Is that, do you agree with that? Or does that make sense? Or do you think that a country this size could make the changes necessary? You know, this is the richest country in the history of the world. So it has the means, it just doesn't have the will. There you go. Right, I mean, if you have a society that's predicated upon an economic philosophy of extraction, mm. that presumes that certain folk are disposable, then you're going to see what and who they value and how they budget. So, and then they're going to convince us and tell us the lie that there are limited resources. You know, we can't do all the things that folks want us to do. Uh, That's not true. It's just a lie. And so I think at the end of the day, it's not about, to me, to me, it's not necessarily about our size. It's about our will. Hmm. It's about what these people are willing to do and why they're not willing to do. Hmm. Many are just, it's abject greed. And it's a profound investment in the idea that this country must remain a white nation in the vein of old Europe. And when those two things, Donald Trump sits in the sweet spot of those two things. Sure. Of greed and racism. That's where he rests right there. And he exploits it for his end. You know, so, you know, you asked me in the last few, few minutes where we are to just kind of say, well, where buckle up, Doc. Nothing about November is going to resolve anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. Buckle up. We're we're in we're in we're in the eye of the storm. The tail is coming. Yeah. I grew up on the coast. The tail is coming. And it might turn back around on us given given the way climate change has changed the, you know, how these storms work. So so part of what I do know is this. In every moment in which the country has had an opportunity for it to be otherwise, white supremacy is the umbilical cord wrapped around the baby's neck, and it chokes the life out of it. Mm. Every single time. We got to be better midwives. We can't tinker around the edges. We know the place is broken. It is clear it's broken. It's broken economically. It's broken politically. We're broken socially. Mm. The very fabric of the country has shredded. It's coming apart at the seams. And it seems to me that we're in this moment right now where we have to dream big dreams or to put it in a different language, we have to take Cole's train giant steps. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Make somebody go, wait, what did he just play? We have to do something at the level of the social that is that remarkable. The question is, do we have the will? I'm a, I'm a firm believer in Baldwin, in mm. this sense of what Baldwin, how Baldwin put it. The only way we can even dare to build a new Jerusalem is that we have to give up on the idea of trying to convince some of these folk to believe otherwise. And instead, invest our energy in building a world where those noxious views have no quarter to breathe. 
I'm tired of trying to compromise. I'm tired of tired of trying to convince. I want you and me and others of like mind and spirit to do everything we can, to risk everything we can in trying to build a world where no matter the color of your skin, no matter your zip code, no matter who you love, no matter your gender, no matter your physical ability, that not only can you dream dreams, you can make those dreams a reality. There you have it, friends. 2020 is over. 2021 is here. Visit letsgiveadam.fm for resources and links and all that good shit. And while you're there, sign up for our email list and you can listen to the other 175 podcast conversations we've put out into the world over the past couple of years. Lastly, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening in 2020, this crazy year. I'm truly honored by your continued support. Thank you for showing up each and every week. If you wanna help us do this more and more in 2020, go to patreon.com slash let's give a damn to help us out with a few dollars every single month. Or maybe you don't have any extra money and that's fine, but you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. And additionally, tell a friend about the show. The more the merrier. This show is produced by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at Sound On Sound Off Studios, the music, is by our friend Propaganda. You can reach out to me anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. I love you all. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Be safe. Keep giving a damn. Peace. Peace.